Okay. Thanks everybody for joining us. I'm on my uh, uh, cell phone right now, having a little bit of a problem, but we'll, we'll start off here. Um, today, the curriculum subcommittee meeting is uh, called to order. Um, the purpose of this meeting is to review the math curriculum K-12 in the Medford Public Schools. Uh, pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, uh, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law and the governor's March 15th order imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Medford School Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidance for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found at the City of Medford website, www.medfordmass.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link came contained herein. No in-person attendance of meetings of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford of uh, Medford Community Media websites an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Um, after the meeting. Uh, so the Medford, um, if you need to call in, the um, uh, number is 312-626-6799. And the Zoom meeting ID is 965-1022-5227. Okay, thank you. Um, can we please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the, for, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Which is stands, sorry, I'm just a little uh, confused because um, I had some problems, so excuse me. Um, can we uh, start off and um, uh, superintendent, if you could take it away. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us um, for today's curriculum subcommittee meeting. Um, today, we are going to be um, taking a close look at mathematics instruction. Our director of mathematics, uh, Ms. Faiza Khan, is going to be taking us through a slide deck, which will really talk about, um, you know, give us a quick overview of mathematics, the shifts that have happened, where we are, what are the um, specific standards um, that have to be met at the state level. And then she's going to dive into mathematics instruction and the programming that is used at elementary, uh, middle school level and high school level. And at the end of the presentation, she will share um, some goals and next steps for the math department um, and what it is that um, they are hoping to do to continue to the work that they have been doing. So I'm going to pass it on to um, Ms. Khan right now. And um, you should have screen sharing. Um, uh, you should have the ability to share. You are listed as a co-host. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Vincent. And thank you uh, to everybody who is here today. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I will start sharing my screen. 
Let's see. Okay. I am not too sure where it is here. I have pulled it up. Um, let me see. Custom preferences. Well. So I have it pulled up in Safari, but it's not, um, it's making me go through the system preferences and whatnot. Is someone else? Let, let see, I can share it. Um, I'll ask Dr. Cushing just to make me a host. Give me one second and I can share it. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Vincent. So here we are. Uh, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this presentation because um, I feel like it was long overdue. Um, so as Dr. Vincent said, I will be talking about um, how math looks like right now in Medford Public Schools. Uh, what have we done over the last two years uh, and how Massachusetts curriculum frameworks have led to a district curriculum and then the syllabi that we are working off of. So we can move on to the next slide. Thank you. This is um, another just title slide. Thank you. So um, as I mentioned, the outline is that we'll talk about Common Core. Um, the curriculum frameworks for Massachusetts, the district curriculum um, that we have adopted and uh, that we that we have, and then the district program that we have adopted. Um, the Medford Public Schools Mathematics uh, Department um, curriculum and instruction, uh, I'll be discussing that over the last two years um, because I assumed this role late um, August 2018. We'll be talking about elementary grades, and we will also be talking about secondary grades, middle and high school. And um, then we will close off after talking about equity in mathematics and our future goals and, and um, what I have in mind for the next steps for, um, for the department. So I'm going to take a step back and um, and it's really important that we look at this visual and really try to understand, um, you know, where our mathematics uh, district program that, that we have adopted as a district is coming from. Um, any program that has been adopted by the mathematics department um, has been uh, in line with whatever the district approved mathematics curriculum has been at that time. And the district approved mathematics curriculum has always come from Massachusetts mathematics frameworks, which has been based on Common Core. And it's really important that we distinguish between Massachusetts mathematics frameworks 
mathematics curriculum, which is approved by the district and the district adopted mathematics program, because I feel that more often um, than, than, than we should, we, um, you know, we cross-reference them, but, and, and, and also that we uh, somehow uh, get mixed up between the three different pieces. Um, as, as you can tell, I'll go to the next slide. Thank you. Um, it's important to understand what is it all based on? So what is Massachusetts curriculum frameworks? Massachusetts curriculum frameworks for mathematics um, has two different kinds of standards, content standards and practice standards. Content standards, they vary with grade. Um, I will not be teaching the same content in grade one as I'll be teaching in grade two. But will I be teaching the same practice standards from different, you know, from grade one to grade three? Yes, I will. They will take a slightly different shape when I look at them in the classroom, but they are the same eight um, that have been set from 2011 to 2017. There have been very minor verbal changes, but they have stayed as eight. Whereas content standards have um, changed, they have varied, they have been, they have modified verbally and, and, and in content as well. Massachusetts curriculum frameworks for mathematics, as our previous visual explained, is the superset of district mathematics curriculum. So basically we are deriving our district math curriculum based on Massachusetts frameworks. And um, one thing to keep in mind is that Massachusetts curriculum frameworks for mathematics is based on common core standards. Uh, they were put together by a consortium of states several years ago. Um, Mass Ma Massachusetts as a state has added uh, a few at different grade levels, its own standards, and we'll see it in a slide that's about to come. Um, Massachusetts curriculum frameworks, actually I'll still stay on the same slide. Thank you, on the previous one. Thank you. Um, they are approved by the by DESI here in Massachusetts, and uh, it's important that they are approved by DESI. They, that's the only way we get them. Uh, the programs that the district approve and district's own curriculum does not need DESI approval, but it's important that public schools stay in line with uh, DESI's Massachusetts curriculum frameworks. And again, I can't emphasize on this enough that the Massachusetts frameworks are not tied to any particular mathematics programs. Uh, DESI provides guidance in choosing programs, but they do not choose the program or they do not endorse any program either. Thank you. So here is the, here's the timeline. Uh, before 1993, um, states were kind of teaching uh, whatever they wanted. So for example, Massachusetts would get together with another state uh, that they will feel are more in line with their uh, priorities, uh, learning priorities and teaching priorities and will you know, form a set of standards um, and, and go from there. Uh, but with the Education Reform Act of 1993, um, everybody started thinking about what have we been teaching and um, is, are all different states teaching different standards? So uh, when they got together and they discussed it and they kind of had a common baseline 
That was called the Mathematics State Curriculum Frameworks. It came around in about 1995-1996. Revisions happened in November 2000. Uh, more revisions happened in May 2004, but it only happened at, on grades um, for grades three, five, and seven. Yet again, another set of revisions, March 2011, and then the final set, the final uh, um, frameworks that we are dealing with right now is the one that's based on December 2017. And we got it in 2018. So here are the 2010 and basically with minor changes, 2017 uh, practice standards. Uh, so these are the 2017 one and 2010 were slightly different, uh, but basically they emphasized on the same pieces. Um, all students shall be able to make sense of problems and they need to persevere in solving them. Uh, second one is reason abstractly and quantitatively. Um, explain reasoning, model through applications, use appropriate tools strategically. That would be, um, you know, tools that students hand, use uh, with hands and um, any other kind of tools that we introduce to students. They should attend to precision. Um, they shall be able to look for and make use of structure, and they should be looking for repetitions in patterns and calculations. Um, these again, um, and I'll show you where they're all located. You can look at them uh, at different grade levels, how they look like, but those are the guiding principles uh, when we go into the classrooms or when teachers are teaching to see um, our students, um, you know, persevering and how are they being encouraged to persevere. One important thing to note about Massachusetts Curriculum Frameworks 2017 is that shifts from 2010 happened um, at, at a bigger level uh, at, at the higher grades um, of six through 11. 12 seemed like it was pre-calculus, so uh, it was uh, not modified much. Uh, and the example is that, that the new grade eight standards um, are now more rigorous and they incorporate um, some standards that traditionally have been taught in algebra one. And because I was teaching mathematics at that time from uh, 2010 to 2018, I have, um, I have witnessed uh, these shifts, um, my very self. So, and I can talk more about these later, but we can go to the next slide. So the Massachusetts Curriculum Frameworks 2017, there are a few highlights about it. It's a much well-rounded curriculum. Um, and and it there's a lot of emphasis on literacy now. So um, basically, uh, you know, we um, we now are giving students a lot more word problems um, than than they have seen in the past, and that actually ties in with uh, procedural um, fluency as well. And I'll talk about it later. Um, there's a there's a a big emphasis on coherence, focus, and rigor. So basically the curriculum should be coherent uh, with each other from grade one to grade two to grade three. So we are talking about progression in grades here. It should be focused. In grade one, I should be focusing on such and such. In grade two, I shall be focusing on certain things and, and then so on and so forth. So for example, in grade one, I shall be talking about integers 
in grade two, I shall be talking about, um, you know, um, uh, divisions of uh, certain numbers, for example. And in grade four, um, instead of just modeling, students shall be um, able to do fractions uh, by hand. So this is where it is. I have um, given a link right here. It is right from the Massachusetts curriculum framework. It's a Again, it's a very well-rounded curriculum as claimed by DESI and yes, in teaching also, it sure is as compared to the 2010 uh, curriculum. Here are, um, again, when we go back uh, to the same slide, it's important uh, that the conceptual understanding, one more slide up, please. Thank you, right here. Uh, conceptual understanding, procedural fluency and application, uh, they stay together. So in this triangle, you will see uh, the purple one uh, is saying make sense of mathematical concepts and then procedural fluency is uh, there. And then the third one is uh, application and the three of them together um, basically, um, you know, uh, the, the foundation of all of it is, is rigor. Um, so there's a lot more emphasis on rigor than there was uh, in the 2000 frameworks. And uh, it was uh, quoted um, by, the, by the mathematicians that it was a mile wide and only an inch uh, uh, deep. Um, but this one is that the depth of the mathematical concepts increase as you go up in grade levels. And um, it, it, we are not totally discrediting the procedural fluency. It needs to be there too, um, but it needs to come after conceptual understanding. And the third piece will be now we are able to apply it. So it starts from understanding, goes to procedural fluency, and then it should be uh, application, um, but the way um, the visual says it is that all three of them are important, uh, equally important, and they need to uh, form the mathematical rigor at each grade level. Thank you. So this is the chart where I mentioned that um, Massachusetts has uh, put in some of their own standards, as you can see um, in counting and cardinality and operations and algebraic thinking. Um, Massachusetts uh, has some standards in pre-K, it also has it in measurement and data and geometry. Uh, also at fifth grade level, uh, Massachusetts has introduced a couple of standards um, and in the number system. And, and you can see clearly over here what is being taught at what uh, grade level and how it pro progresses. As you can see, geometry is extremely important, which it wasn't in the 2001 and uh, in the 2000 curriculum. And we recognized that it's really important. It's a very logical um, concept and it's not just gonna happen if we start teaching students at the high school. So a little bit of it is spread out through all the grades. These are our high school uh, course offerings and uh, pretty much the 17 courses that are offered at the high school level are here. I can come back to this um, uh, if needed, but here they are. They are also on the mathematics department um, website.
Thank you. So um, these are the initiatives. The, this is what we have been doing since 2018. Uh, up until now, uh, we have conducted several math learning walks. Uh, they are on pause for uh, this particular school year due to COVID. Um, we, we saw uh, where we uh, need improvements, where we can support our teachers. And, 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 and I can't wait for these to start back up again because uh, they gave us some very good data. Um, the middle school program review and adoption was completed um, and elementary school program review and adoption has been paused. We had a committee formed of teachers and uh, we had barely started, um, um, you know, just um, looking at different programs uh, when COVID uh, hit uh, in March. Uh, that's when the presentations from the vendors had started. Um, we had formed a rubric um, as to what will be our criteria. It was in line with DESI, and um, we have been in talks with, uh, with DESI to, uh, to kind of get an idea of when the next curriculum frameworks will be coming in. They don't know yet. Um, so we um, looked at different rubrics uh, that were used in the in the towns, uh, and um, for, with the with the teacher input, we um, basically went with one rubric. Um, that work had started in October of 2019, and um, it took us good five or six months uh, to get to a rubric. But we were in good place because. Uh, a lot of that rubric development also uh, needed a little bit of professional development um, because we want to have an elementary school program that is uh, in line um, and in line with the with the middle school program. It is a problem based, uh, inquiry based um, program, and and um, then we we were gonna go uh, and 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 go ahead and pilot it. So again, um, it is paused for this year, but we know where, where we are at and um, we'll hopefully resume it uh, under better conditions. Evaluations of curriculum and instruction, they are ongoing. The inventory of current resources, um, we, that's ongoing as well. Transition to inquiry-based hands-on instructional resources, we are always on the lookout. Um, we are always open-minded. Um, we always encourage people to um, give us thoughts, give us ideas, uh, because, um, you know, um, as, as I see it, as we see it, um, it's not just on to the teachers. It's not just up to me. Uh, we need parent input. So if any parent uh, or any teacher comes across uh, a tool, a program, we are more than happy to look into it and, and make them partners in, in our teaching and learning. Um, elementary school summer math calendars, um, you know, were given out um, in, in June of 2019 and in June of 2020. Um, we had a good success rate with the, with the collection of the, um, of the summer calendars um, last year in 2020. We did not have that much luck um, this year, um, but they were there in case anybody was interested. 
So for elementary grades, um, under programming, we have um, the Envisions uh, program that uh, was adopted in uh, 2014. Um, as the core program, we still have it. Uh, and uh, what we also got uh, was Envisions 2020 as a supplemental resource at no cost. Uh, of course, when you get a program at no cost, there are pros and cons to it. Uh, but we decided to say yes to that offer because uh, it is a more re robust and um, clearly has a, a few advantages over 2014. Uh, additional considerations is that um, we renewed Envisions uh, this year for a cost of 50,000 uh, plus uh, paper materials, anticipated budget request for uh, 2020, 2022 will be uh, approximately the same. So I would say budget request for 2021 and 2022 will approximately be the same. Um, I, I, my apologies for that mistake. Program Review Committee, October 2019, goals and status. Um, I believe I mentioned it. Uh, the goal is that we need to stay with the procedural uh, fluency, but before that comes the conceptual understanding and after that comes the application. We wanna make sure the new program um, is in line with that and that it's coherent. Time to time we hear uh, from our teachers that you know it's just not tying in, it's just not connecting. And that's why uh, teachers at all different grade levels from different uh, schools are on that committee um, of about 20 teachers and administrators are as well so that they can give us the feedback. Our final goal is to make a recommendation to the school committee for adoption of the new program. And we are hoping to do it for June, 2022. So for the middle school grades, uh, we adopted a new program. Uh, the name is Illustrative Mathematics, and um, it was uh, in June 2019. Um, before that, the status of the middle schools was that we, we were using um, at least three two different middle schools. And um, one thing was very important uh, for me personally as well was that we are on one platform um, because we have a goal of um, having one Medford. And, I, and, and then when we looked at different programs, um, we saw that illustrative mathematics clearly has uh, major advantages uh, over other programs, uh, which seem to be... Um, more procedural. This one was very inquiry-based and, and that's how it was from the beginning. It wasn't um, cut out to pass a certain criteria. Uh, the authors wrote illustrative math. They, they put examples and questions in, in activities in illustrative math and then it passed the criteria. So it's like basically are you teaching to the test uh, kind of uh, scenario that, that I was seeing with different programs. Um, there is definitely lots of emphasis on problem solving, inquiry-based, hands-on activities, um, and that's for our um, standard 6th, 7th, and 8th grade um, uh, class, uh, classrooms. About 85% of our students fall in that category. The big ideas um, is for the accelerated program. 
additional consideration at the middle school level is that professional development was done in illustrative math two full days in June 2019 before the teachers were going to um, start using it in end of August, beginning of uh, um, September in 2019. And then we followed up uh, with two hours uh, in, in, the, in the same school year 2019 and 2020 to launch uh, the program. We um, spent about uh, $25 per student per year on the paper book. Uh, the program itself is free um, and it's all available online for families, for students and for teachers. Uh, it has lesson plans and, and condensed lesson plans and many resources for the teachers. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that when I say online, uh, people assume, uh, we assume, that a lot of it is uh, that students are doing all the work um, online. Um, that's not the case. Students still need paper and pencil. They still need to show their work by hand. And teachers use nowadays in during COVID conditions, they are using different technology tools to make that happen. But program itself is uh, not just you are constantly working on the computer. Now we can take it as a pro or we can take it as a con, but that's where we are with illustrative math. So approximate paper cost per teacher uh, per set is $125. It's a one-time investment. We bought it for all of our special education teachers and all of our um, uh, English um, language uh, teachers as well. Approximate PD cost, um, is about was about $15,000 for the program adoption and coaching. Uh, that included uh, my coaching as well uh, and the coaching of our um, EL uh, teachers um, so that they can um, modify the program as need be uh, for their, uh, for their um, you know, for their needs. And then now we can go to the high school. So uh, for the high school grades, um, the program that we are using uh, that comes as um, a set of Algebra 1, Geometry, and Algebra 2, um, when we adopt a program for uh, the courses at the high school, we usually look uh, for this sequence, that the program offers the sequence of Algebra 1, Geometry, and Algebra 2. We have Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Um, and the reason why we do it is because these three courses um, of all the others are the foundations and we want to make sure they're coherent and they're focused so we don't go with Pearson in one and Houghton Mifflin in another one. Um, that was, um, that was uh, um, adopted in 2016 and uh, we paid for, for the program. It's all paid for. Uh, the remaining courses use Pearson, McGraw-Hill, HMH, Addison Wesley, BFW, Prentice Hall, uh, DESI's own binder, and um, uh, Skylight Publications um, for, for, for different programs. Uh, additional considerations is that we have um, invested in new statistics books. Um, these ones come with... Um, and online interactive uh, books. So we have the paper book and we have the online version. 
and it was bought right in time because um, our students are using it very nicely and teachers are getting used to it. Um, in October 2020, we bought it um, with $6,000. Um, the HMH program renewal is due in June 2022. Uh, we have yet to go get a quote on it, but this program that we have in that we got in 2016, um, basically we will keep their paper books, uh, but the online uh, piece of it, um, of the Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, the Algebra 1 Geometry and Algebra 2, um, we will have, uh, we'll no longer have access uh, to it after June of 2022. So we need to think about where we want to go. And if we want to renew, um, um, you know, what will be the dollar cost associated with it. So the program review committee for that one uh, needs to be formed. And, and the plan is to um, um, form it in June 22, 2022, because that's when the elementary school uh, program committee uh, will be ending its work and hopefully will be adopting a program. Um, and, and I feel that uh, it'll be a good time to start working on this. Um, it's usually it does not take um, this long, but because of COVID, the elementary school program review committee, um, we, we, we had to put it on pause. So hopefully this will be done by uh, June of 2023. And we will either have a new program or we'll stick to the program that we have. So equity in mathematics, we are fully compliant with the Office of Civil Rights uh, Regulations. Uh, we do a yearly program curriculum by sign-off sheet uh, for racial, religious, and gender equity. Uh, we do an annual discussion on how to deal with unconscious bias in program and practice through targeted teacher feedback sessions and in math department meetings. Uh, we are committed to an assumptions-free, all-inclusive teaching and learning models. Uh, we promote co-teaching as much as possible. Uh, and uh, the professional development and uh, modeling is done by Better Lessons at the middle school level and at the high school level because it was specially requested uh, from them. In fact, the teacher that we had uh, for our illustrative math program was a special education teacher. Um, who um, gave much feedback on how to include our special population. Um, our future goals and next steps. Um, we would like to continue uh, the learning walks K through 12, uh, starting in September, 2021. Uh, we would like to develop a department mission statement because um, I, I believe it's important that um, uh, we, we have a mission and we keep it in mind. Um, continued uh, work on developing and updating the course syllabi. Um, they, uh, as we are adopting new books and as we have um, uh, 2017 frameworks, um, the, the district curriculum uh, was updated in line with the DESE uh, Massachusetts frameworks. Uh, but we are working on syllabi of a few courses. Uh, we had a, uh, some technical difficulty uh, that some of them were only in PDF. So um, now we are, are working towards them. We, will, we are almost done. Uh, continue to research best mathematical practices across the state to incorporate in our classrooms. 
um, one one thing about the the mathematics department, uh, at least at the secondary level, because they only teach mathematics, is they are continuously researching best uh, mathematical practices. Um, many teachers at the elementary schools are also constantly engaged in it, and they are very interested in what's happening in the mathematical world. And that's definitely good news for us. Um, we are closely monitoring the new trends in mathematics. Um, teachers are eager to learn, um, continue to promote inquiry-based teaching and learning. Um, that's the way we, we see um, that um, learning is happening best. Uh, those days are long gone when there was a traditional setup. And now until students touch and feel um, the, the actual um, you know, bits and pieces, uh, and, and they don't uh, play around with stuff or they don't discuss um, with each other. Um, they, they, they are not where we would like them to be. We would like them to become competitive, um, more competitive in the, in, the, in the world. And I believe that group discussion and, and inquiry-based teaching is the, is the way to go and group-based learning. Um, we will continue to research and incorporate data-driven strategies to minimize learning loss due to COVID-19. Um, I myself am constantly trying to research and look for things um, that I can give to the teachers. Um, I, 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 again, hate to be the bearer of the bad news, but I was uh, reading uh, Education Week just very lately, and it mentioned that the uh, loss in mathematics overall throughout the country is gonna be twice as much as the loss in literacy. So I just wanted to raise the red flag. And, and um, I, 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 I mean, this is where we are right now. We'll continue to strive, but I just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. And my last slide is um, you know, saying thank you for your time. And uh, please let me know if you have any questions. Isa, thank you so much. Um, that was a very comprehensive report with so much information built in. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, you, you ended up really on the key point um, that I think we're all concerned about is what will be the impact of this year. Um, and especially, uh, like I can, if I think about eighth grade, um, the eighth grade course, we've talked about many, many times how intense that is. And so now those kids have gone on into ninth grade and I'm wondering what the teachers are telling you and what you're seeing so far. So teachers are um, struggling uh, in this way. I mean, they are in, in, in charge. They have a lot of resources at their hand. They are working very hard. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, that uh, there is a, a decline. The students are not uh, where they um, are supposed to be from whatever standard, but, but they are not there. Um, they wanna make sure that students are engaged uh, and um, they are, um, you know, they, they are ready for the next uh, grade level. There are many teachers, um, actually all teachers uh, are concerned uh, that they will have to do a lot of catching up and they are concerned how much uh, below grade level teaching they will have to do. Um, but they are confident that, you know, they will put in their best effort 
um, they are willing to go an extra mile for the students and, and uh, I'm, I'm willing to help them. I'm happy to help them. But the fact of the matter is there is a decline that's already very noticeable. Uh, I'm curious whether you're seeing a difference in the students who are fully remote and uh, versus the students who are hybrid. So that difference has not become very clear yet at, um, at uh, the uh, middle school and at the high school level. I believe that if the situation stays so during these winter months and this holiday um, season, uh, we will be able to better speak about it uh, in February and, and early March timeframe. Um, right now, teachers are, you know, using all these different strategies, Jamboard and Flipgrid and Whiteboard, um, all online to keep them engaged. But I am seriously concerned about this engagement going down during um, the winter months. And um, there is a, there, there's some difference, uh, but there are certainly some very motivated students who are remote and there are some students who are uh, not as engaged, even if they are coming in. Um, but um, I'm, I'm hoping that teachers are, are, um, are gonna continue working hard with the students and that you know, students will also not um, uh, give up. Many of them are responding very positively. So I have hopes. You're on mute, Ms. Ms. Vanderkloot, you're right. on mute. Yeah, I'm having some issues. I can't unmute myself except by the uh, space bar and I can't go into a gallery view, so I can't see other people's um, questions. So Jenny, I'm gonna ask you if you can, can you see, uh, if you can see everybody, um, could you call on people for questions? You're muted, Jenny. No, I'm muted. Okay, uh, Member Rousseau, I think I saw that you had your hand in the air. I have some questions as well. Sure. Yes, I did. Thank, thank you. Um, there's an awful lot to digest here. Um, and without getting into the issues around uh, the pandemic, um, I was curious about the placement of computer science and computer programming in the, the list. Um, I know that there are some courses that are in the math department, some that aren't. Um, and I was also curious about um, you know, how young are we going to go with actual computer science curriculum? There's there's plenty of evidence, I think, that kindergarten's fine. We can start in kindergarten. Um, and um, if we wait until high school or late middle school, then what we have is the people who know how to program taking classes so they can get their easy A's. Um, and that's not really the goal of <laughs> of any of this. That's right. That's a great question, Mr. Russo, and something that's very close to my heart. You know, I was teaching that AP computer science course uh, before taking on this role. Um, so yes, a pipeline would be wonderful. We, 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 it'll be great. Students can start very early and very young. Uh, what DESI has done recently is that they have created a, 
digital literacy um, set of standards that do not fall under mathematics any longer. Um, there are certain uh, courses that they have said it's okay to take for math credit or for science credit. So the two courses that fall in the mathematics department, um, they are in the mathematics department, but if students request a science credit for it, we are happy to give it to them. Uh, the reason why they have stayed in the mathematics department is uh, that traditionally a mathematics teacher has taught um, the, these courses. And also because according to uh, DESI's uh, guidelines and the licensure pieces that um, uh, that there is a certain amount of time that teachers can teach outside of their content area. And um, so the teachers would teach at the high school three levels of uh, three sections of mathematics and one section of computer. That's how I did it. Um, but lately they have shifted their standards and their requirements. So that's a little fluid right now, but just so you know, that's where we are at. And yes, creating a pipeline is great. Um, I know Molly Ledden has uh, put in a lot of effort in getting this off the ground. I'm happy to be her partner, uh, but because she's in technology, um, we had decided that that's, it's best served uh, by her and her crew. She has introduced a few courses uh, also in computer um, science and, for example, um, computer science principles, uh, which is not as rigorous, but it is still an AP course and it's not language-based. This course that falls under the mathematics department is based on Java. So you need to know Java very well in order to, to teach it. And, um, and again, uh, the way um, uh, I, I always felt as the teacher of that course uh, is that it'll be great uh, to have students have, um, you know, uh, even a semester uh, long course before they enter into into this, but that's again something that um, me and Molly are are talking about. And had it been better times, we would have definitely proceeded on with it. But any other uh, things, we we partner with each other, and I'm happy to support her uh, in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. Um. I had some questions as well. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and ask them now because I don't see any other hands in the air. Sure. Um, so Faiza, I know that the work that you were doing around um, elementary school math was an effort to evaluate the replacement of envisions. And obviously that's sort of waylaid, but um, <laughs> like envisions gets pretty terrible marks in the curriculum world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, by the time this is done, we will have lost an entire like school full of elementary school students to a curriculum that isn't um, even up to standard minimally. So I, I just feel like that makes the teachers have to work that much harder mm -hmm. um, to sort of cover the gap. Right. So if the curriculum can't stand on its own, then the, the teachers are faced with having to to fill the gap or you are. And um, I'm not particularly sure like what we would do about that, um, except that I think we need to temper our expectation that any sort of math outcomes would change unless we are willing to change our fundamental, our foundation. So I've been thinking, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that 
Um, one of the things that we talked about um, in terms of this work of the curriculum subcommittee is that we would ultimately create a catalog that would include things like program expiration dates, um, because it's definitely my sense that um, we're sort of behind our expiration dates at this point where we should, um, you know, in a more perfect world, we would be making these evaluations before our programs expire. And we're faced with, you know, really, we're going to be asking the community to pay for a program to extend next year that we know isn't working. Um, and, uh, you know, it is a pandemic and I'm not really sure what we can do about it in this moment, except to say we don't want to be in that situation again. And how do we sort of have different rigor so that we get to a better place? Um, so I think, you know, one thing that we talked about um, and as part of the approved motion is that this catalog would include not just the program, um, but also those expiration dates um, so that it's a really easy visual to look at and say, this is, this is the the date that we're working towards, um, as well as whether the curriculum has um, EL or IEP supplements and whether we have purchased them, because it's my understanding that like in, in history, we haven't always purchased all those supplements. Um, and sometimes it's that they don't exist. And sometimes it's that we didn't buy them. So just to um, start to create that catalog that makes that super clear, um, not just at the elementary level, but sort of across the board, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think you have the, the, be the beginnings and sort of the guts of that here in this presentation. Um, and then I think my question about some of the, um, the high school stuff really um, goes more toward the another approved motion that is sitting in this committee that isn't necessarily the subject of today, but the subject of math progression and best practices around math progression, especially as you like move from middle to high school. So I just don't want um, us to lose sight of that important conversation. And I would love to ha have a meeting dedicated to that topic because I just heard from a friend today that She's got a middle schooler and the math teacher is talking to her about like what she needs to do. So her child ends up in calculus. And I thought of you immediately. <laughs> so I was like, I, I really want to like circle back to that conversation. So I would, I think I would be really interested in that conversation, which is obviously not the posted reason for today, but um, what I couldn't tell from this presentation and maybe like when we create that catalog, it would be more clear is um, for the various for the various courses and the and the textbooks, um, where are we in terms of like renew, renewal? Is, if renewal is a thing when it comes to like high school textbooks versus like elementary programs, and like what what should be our priority order um, as we think about planning um, and budgeting? So I know that was like a lot of thoughts, but I think my question is like what's your perspective on like how we do a better job to sort of plan proactively rather than being in this situation that I think you find yourself in fairly new to the job. And we all find ourselves in saying we're, we're going to spend money on things we don't believe are going to work. And we are having to do extensions when um, they may or may not serve our students. So I, I definitely agree with uh, much uh, of what uh, you said. 
Um, I do believe having a catalog, having an Excel sheet will definitely help. It'll give a one um, glance picture of where we are at. And, and that way we are all not, um, you know, trying to go for the same amount of money that same year, you know, that will help us, um, you know, kind of categorize it. All right. So, you know, this is when this math program is done. So now we can invest in certain because all departments are equally important. I don't want to undermine any any of them. So yes, I think that will be a good place to start. And um, I would say uh, that if this, again, this pandemic would not have hit, you probably would have seen me in March coming to you with an elementary school program because teachers were ready to pilot. And unfortunately- That is what I heard. (laughs) Yes, they were ready. They really were ready. And we were so, uh, you know, ready for those presentations. And then we had to pull a plug on it because there was so much going on that was beyond our control. And- um, So uh, because we didn't come to you, we are not going to come to you this March. It's postponed by another year. And yes, we we unfortunately, I I feel that teachers do need a baseline program. Um, It might not be the one that we want, but it also provides students with some kind of online access at home as well. So we need to give them the basics. It's it's a bullet that we will have to bite, but... um, uh, I, I, I believe that we are F next year in March, you will most definitely uh, see me um, and for that one. And then for the high school one, um, uh, I believe it's, it's a good solid program um, that the textbook is the main thing behind the textbook is basically rigor at the high school for the algebra one geometry and algebra two. So we are in a good place with that. Statistics is an excellent book. Um, the teachers are really liking it. Students are enjoying it. There are other other ones that we will have to review. So for example, advanced algebra and trigonometry might be coming up the pipeline. Um, and uh, discrete mathematics might be coming up the pipeline. But these are also courses that are not um, defined by uh, DESI. Pre-calculus, we have been looking for a good pre-calculus book for some time, and we have asked publishers for it. There is uh, that the ones that we are using are really old, but they are good. They kind of get our students ready for calculus. So, so we have all of this in mind, and, and we constantly discuss it. But I would say our eyes need to be possibly on the next two programs will be the advanced algebra and trigonometry if there's a good book out there for it. And um, I would say, you know, the discrete mathematics one. We do have a book, but it's not in line with what we would like to, what we want our students to achieve. So I can go course by course and give you more details, but I say the bigger chunk is coming with the algebra one, geometry, algebra two. And also, um, I just wanted to keep you in the loop that as we bought statistics books, um, I realized uh, that the actual paper book only cost about $20-$25 and a six-year subscription of the book cost about $130-something. So this is how publishers have switched it. These books that, you know, are heavy-duty, hardcover books, they used to cost the department $120 a piece and not anymore. Now we are seeing a different trend. So 
I'm very happy to have invested in the statistics books. And thank you so much for, for your generosity and, and, you know, giving an okay to that. Thank you. Um, Mr. Rousseau. Thank you. Um, so um, getting back to the issue of, um, of the falling behind um, that the pandemic is causing, um, are you, you know, I feel like there's different situations in the elementary school, kids that are staying in elementary school, I feel like, I mean, you could tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like the opportunity to get them where they are and move them forward to try and catch them up or at least keep them progressing is one thing. But if you're finishing algebra one and you're taking algebra two, the algebra two teacher isn't teaching algebra one. So I, and I feel like there's these, you know, cutoffs and this progression in, in the later years that are just seem more challenging to figure out. Do, you know, do you expect the geometry teacher to teach whatever the typical course before that is? Um, and so, are you having conversations in your department about what you're going to do there? And do you feel like the staff, you know, I, I don't know how many teachers there are. I don't, I don't know if the geometry teacher is only a geometry teacher and doesn't know how to teach algebra, but um, you know, are, are you having those conversations and what are your thoughts? Because I, I just was reading the news today. It's not a good scene. It looks like next fall, we are definitely going to have no kids that are going to be vaccinated. Um, and that's just terrifying to imagine that um, we're going to enter the next school year, either in hybrid or whatever. And um, I'm just a bit concerned about what, what are the options? Do you need something from us to try and help the teachers? So, so that is again, a very good question. And, and um, I would say um, communication is the key. Uh, with this piece. So I have been in constant communication with the teachers. Uh, we have had department meetings and we have also had individual meetings, 15 to 20 minute long as to where are you really feeling the, the challenge? Uh, what did not help us at the high school level was that uh, Desi had announced initially um, that they will uh, be um, giving the MCAS, that the, that the juniors that just recently became juniors because they didn't take MCAS in May, they will now be taking it in January. So we were concerned at the high school level um, as to how are we going to prepare kids? So should Algebra 2 teacher, who is the teacher of a junior and the child, the student will be taking MCAS now in January because they didn't take it in May, should they stop teaching Algebra 2 and start teaching geometry? Because geometry, because MCAS is based on geometry and Algebra 1. So we have had those conversations. We have, we are actually, our next meeting is again dedicated to it. So that danger is gone now that it's not happening in January, but it will happen. They did not say it's gone. They just kind of postponed it and haven't told us when it will happen. My suspicion is that it might happen in May with the sophomores. So um, we are dedicating our department meeting just to see what we can do. It's unfortunate uh, that the teachers, our educators, are dedicated educators who want uh, to emphasize on student learning are going to have to set aside a certain time um, to teach to the test. It's really unfortunate. And, and I feel 
uh, th this is not a good place to be. This is very unmotivating for an educator, but um, this is the reality. And, and, uh, and that's how I, we have discussed it. So yes, we are working on plans um, for not just for the gaps in learning, but also for MCAS. So all teachers are keeping a record of where they are in pacing guide and what's causing the delay and or, or how much depth did they go in in any topic. So I believe that's really important. So if, for example, if I'm teaching um, geometry and I am, uh, and geometry has a lot of algebra one embedded in it um, and a student is unable to do the algebra in it, what do I do? Should I sit and should I review at the beginning of the year or should I embed the, the, the teaching for that gap in the middle. So uh, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics is uh, constantly in tune with these and their recommendation is that for now, continue to fill in the gaps as need be. So don't um, you know, spend first two months um, in basically reviewing because you'll be behind in teaching your own grade level stuff and that'll be unmotivating again. And, and a teacher of geometry doesn't wanna teach algebra one for first two week, for first two, three weeks, uh, and because they'll be behind on their, um, you know, standards. Um, so it, it's really important to keep these recommendations in mind that are coming to us from experts. We have to keep a very realistic eye on where we are at and our expectations from all different parties um, in this, in this, in this game, really important that, you know, we don't overestimate um, and that um, we keep in mind student engagement and making connections with the students and everything else will come afterwards. That's at least my philosophy. Thank you, that uh, makes me very happy and I, I'm not surprised. I just really needed to hear you say all that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I see that the superintendent had her hand up. Yeah, I, I had um, put my hand up a little earlier um, in regards to the work that's happening in the math department and um, in speaking and working with um, FISA and her leadership of the math department, the way the middle school team um, adopted the illustrative math and how that was really rigorous, hands-on um, and deeply engaging for the students you know, we've spoken about, is there a junior version to like an illustrative math that could be adopted at the elementary level? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but saying like, that's the direction we wanna move in. And so knowing the professional development that happened and um, the training that um, because the adoption happened right at the end of the school year, we had to, you know, squeeze the training in in June and like, you know, almost force feed it so quickly in order for the teachers to be accustomed or acclimated to the new curriculum. And so um, as FISA explained this year, um, COVID kind of had her put the brakes on it, but that truly was the hope. And the other piece of work that she did, which I was um, very excited about was actually going to other districts with strong mathematical outcomes um, and looking at what they were using in their particular districts and then trying to say, hmm, 
could something like that work in the Medford context? How much training would be necessary for that? And so in um, planning for today's presentation, where I know um, to member Graham's point about it's unfortunate now that we had to pause elementary because, you know, Pfizer cannot go to other districts to go look at instruction during the COVID climate. And if you're looking at instruction, we had to pause the learning walks K-12 because you don't want to have 10 additional administrators um, and staff traipsing into a classroom on top of six feet of distance. So there were all of these things that really um, forced us to stop the necessary and important work that does need to happen. So by pausing it until June with the hopes that some people would be vaccinated by June, but to restart um, the elementary team so they could look at the different curricula that um, you know, was gonna be before them and hopefully be able to conduct um, some observations next school year of other districts that either have a way of documenting that this is better programming and the why behind it. So that if the time to do that in-depth work at the elementary level, we know whatever ends up being adopted, um, K-5 would be all set by 22, spring of 22 to come present it to school committee. And so at that point in time, you know, Pfizer would be able to now focus all of our extra attention on secondary at the high school level and really say, where do we find or where have we identified additional gaps or areas for better curriculum to bring in at the high school level so that um, when we come up with this progression and have the catalog to say like, this is where we are and this is what is like the top trend right now in mathematics. So you saw all of the different things that are being used at the secondary level, but there's a large course offering for the students. So um, I just wanted to reiterate that that's the intention of the work. And then to be able to continue um, with the mathematical learning walks, which school committee members and member Vanderkloot, um, some of them had had the opportunity to kind of come in and look for those core actions. And so we did grow it K-12, but again, with these you know, restrictions. So what um, member Rousseau just shared, um, since we don't really know what's gonna happen yet with um, the vaccine, but we're being very, very optimistic as a district, we do have to start thinking, seriously thinking about next year, seriously thinking that if the vaccine truly isn't gonna be available for the fall, you know, um, we need to start thinking about, will we have remote learning academy 21, 22, you know, might be much smaller, but we need to start thinking about what instruction is gonna look like. And so again, with restrictions and trying to find out about um, what's gonna happen with the virus, that will impact our ability to do the larger scale instructional learning walks. Um, they can still happen, you know, myself or, but, but right now the, the conditions under which, you know, the students are being taught where before they were working in groups, you could, you know, see the groups. Now you have some online, some in a breakout room, 
some working independently. It's just, um, we're just in this very, very difficult position. And so I just wanted to, to state that, that it's not that we're not trying to focus um, deeply on instruction, but given the unusual circumstances of teaching and learning right now under these COVID conditions, we need to just um, keep that in mind. But we are very optimistic for 21-22 school year that we will turn the corner at least and at least be able to kind of get back to a greater sense of normalcy. So those were my um, comments regarding what was said today. Thank you. Jenny, do you see other hands up? Or if not, I've got some more questions. I don't, but there are a good number of um, community members here. And I just didn't know if any of you had questions for, for Ms. Khan. Um, if, you can, if you just want to throw your hand in the air, we'd be happy to take them. I also have a, a couple of, uh, um, uh, I, I see a couple of direct messages to me. So would you mind if I read them and answer those uh, uh, questions um, that have come in the messages? Sure, please do. Sure. Thank you. So the first one is from Christina McGordy, and she says, how is the current version of Turk investigations? I would love to know if this is or could be on the list based on my experience with it in 2000 to 2010. Thank you so much for leading this meeting. So yes, Christina, I tried to reply back. Seems like you are not here. But any, if anybody knows Christina, please do let her know that Investigations 3, version 3, is on our list. And it's actually one of the top ones that we are looking at because it's it's very much in line with the, with the philosophy, with the rubric. Um, and so... So if that helps. And the second um, is from Lisa, um, is that I emailed you during the winter last year and I repeat my offer to assist with program reviews if I can help. I'm a parent of an elementary student, uh, remote third grade at a, at a school and spent 25 years working in high school math publishing at HMH. I worked on the editorial development of the geometry textbook currently being used at the high school. She sent me her email address. Thank you. Yes, Lisa, I recall you. I have been pleased with the current elementary program, though the reliance on the practice and problem-solving workbook has meant minimal opportunity for practice. Yay, investigations. That's right. So investigations is on the list. Absolutely. <laughs> out of the five. So the investigations people must have heard we were talking today, Faiza. Yes, no investigations. <laughs> cheerleaders <laughs> investigations is good and uh newton uses it and i i think i believe brookline is also uh yeah. was also gonna adopt it um although they did pilot the alpha version of illustrative math in, at elementary level but you know we need a little bit more stable program the program that has been tested and tried enough and yet ties in with our middle school uh, rigorous, uh, you know, stronger program. So yes, investigations is on the list, just so everybody knows. Thank you. And uh, we we do include, we do plan to include parents. It's just that we want it to go uh, gradual is that, you know, first the teachers uh, look at it and see if it's, it, how does it look in the classroom to them? And then uh, there will definitely be some parents on the committee. Absolutely. We might have to reduce the numbers because I'm very happy to see so much involvement, but um, you know we will probably have to pick one or two parents from each school. But definitely, that's on the plan. Yes, great. And um, Ingrid has her hand up. Ingrid, um, hi. 
Hi, Hi Ingrid. Hi, Miss Anne. Um, <laughs> so uh, you kind of talked about this already a little bit, but I just wanted to um, ask more details about what the process with the elementary, um, okay. the choosing an elementary curriculum was like, at, at what point did you have to pause? I had, the, I had the idea that you had already selected a few curriculums that you wanted to pilot this year. I don't know if that's true, and I would like to know more about that. And um, Yes. Do, do, that, that's a great question, Ingrid, and I'm so uh, I'm so happy that you and I talked the other day, and, and seemed like you have the similar background as I do. So thank you for being here and taking the time. So the five programs that we were looking at is Bridges uh, was one of them, and Investigations is another one of them, and Visions 2020, of course, because there are previous publishers, yes. Uh, why not, right? I mean, you know, we have to give everybody a fair chance. We will not take it out because teachers are used to it. So we have to, you know, we 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 want to make it a good mix. Every all the whole the whole um, end game. So um, basically, uh, our illustrative math was gonna be another one, and um, I believe there was another one. Why am I forgetting the name of it? But these were four out of the five. And investigations, right? Investigations, bridges, illustrative math, uh, and um, and and. Why am I forgetting? Anyhow, there are uh, five of them. There were five of them. Then we were going to bring it down to three. Then we were going to bring it down to two with parents' help. And, and then we were going to look at um, the cost. And, 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 and then it's up to the, up to, we'll make the recommendation. And the school committee is the one that, uh, you know. And, will. um, so the process, the process would be to select two, and then you are going. Do you want to pilot two in the school? Yes, we would ideally, ideally like to start piloting with three. But as time passes by, after three or four months, we would say these are our finalists. Two of them. That's um, that's how uh, districts usually do it, uh, or they choose two from the very beginning. Um, I just thought three would not be a bad idea because we do have quite a few elementary schools and, and we want to do some popery throughout the grades. So, um, so that no school left, uh, gets left out. Another thing to keep in mind was that no one school, only one program, little bit of all three programs at all different schools so that we get an idea of how our different populations are doing with it. And then, um, you know, choose one out of the um, final two and then final one. Uh, but we always um, do recommend two in the end um, because um, we have to keep, you know, uh, certain factors in mind and, and it's, 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 it gives good competition. That's what it is. And um, Ms. Khan, I know that some of the math curricula are increasingly reliant on technology, which um, probably when you did this initial view, our technology situation was considerably different than it is now. Yes. Um, so, you know, there, there, are, there, aren't that, there aren't that many silver linings in this pandemic, but um, be, you know, being able to, to evaluate curricula knowing that we are a one-to-one -one device district. Yes. Um, I'm hoping that that sort of opens the doors for you all to really say, 
this is what our students and teachers need and not feel constrained by like what we may or may not have right now. So my, my request as you do that is that you don't rule anything out for any reason um, that if there are resources that are implicit in the, in the success of a program that we just have a conversation about what those are. But um, I think like we did with the science curriculum with FOSS, um, you know, I sat in on some of those um, uh, vendor interviews way back when, and there was definite concern about our district's ability slash willingness to like buy the consumables year over year. And I'm so glad that that did not get in the way of the choice that we made because by all accounts, like, you know, the, the program is really strong and I know it, it also is hampered by, by the pandemic, but I'm so glad that the, that concern, even though valid and historically accurate, um, did not get in the way of um, Mr. Siri coming forward and saying, this is the right curriculum for us, let's do this. Um, and so I would just encourage you not to be encumbered by um, whatever, whatever thing may, may hold back a math curriculum, yes. <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> you, you have a very good point and we'll definitely keep it in mind. In fact, um, some teachers um, uh, did uh, voice it. Um, uh, that um, what are going to be the restraints. So I said, well, currently, you know, I I should not use the word luckily, but COVID hit at a time right when we were um, trying to answer those questions. But we, none of these five programs we chose based on, um, you know, one or the other. Basically, we went to ed reports, we went to the districts who were high performing, performing, as Dr. Vincent said, and that's where our programs came to us, because we could learn from those districts firsthand, what is working, what's not working. Um, you know, and that was really important for us so that we are not reinventing the wheel, we are not um, you know, um, wasting the educators' time in piloting a program that we know is probably uh, not coming highly recommended anyhow. I, I, I do see Ingrid's hand up, but I do see Lisa saying Singapore. Singapore math. Um, uh, that's uh, great, uh, Lisa. I'm glad that you are recommending it. Uh, I'm not too sure if Singapore math um, uh, lines up with the, with the Common Core and with the Massachusetts frameworks. I'm happy to look into it. Um, the, the thing with certain programs out there like Russian School of Mathematics and Kumon, they are great in a certain way. Uh, the thing is that they do not teach um, certain standards or teach certain standard, standards in a different way than DESI wants us to. And we are a public school system. We can't forget that. Um, you know, we have to stay in line with DESI. So even if the program is wonderful and great and it does not address the common core, we, 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 we really should think about adopting it. Another question from Lisa, I hope uh, Ingrid stays and doesn't go. I wonder if it might be the fifth program. I understand it may not be possible. Look, we are happy to add six, but, but uh, the sixth one, but... Um, but again, um, most of our programs are coming from the ranking in ed reports. Um, and that's really important because it's an independent agency that does it. Um, and, and, you know, uh, and then we go to and look around which district is using 
what oh i recall the the last one the last program and i'm just forgetting the name of it though but i do exactly remember what it was it was created by my teacher my ex teacher uh who was a big proponent of this it's by curriculum associates i'm forgetting why am i forgetting the name i don't know i think you're just making me feel better today paisa <laughs> that uh, you can forget something it's okay for me to forget something <laughs> i'm just forgetting the name of one i can easily send it out um maybe i'll recall before the meeting is over who knows yeah probably <laughs> certainly in the middle of the night you will pop up and say ah yeah let's say so, i do uh, remember one issue with the programs that we were having was um uh, was definitely you know the the um, amount of pd that was needed but now that i'm in comfort zone with this that you know i have this reassurance that we can look into programs without any uh, you know hesitation i'll be happy to look into it yes thank you i ha- i had a couple of questions uh if but except is ingrid did ingrid have a follow up No, I just forgot to lower my hand. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, Ingrid. Um the question I had was uh for I was curious whether we had had any parent feedback on illust- illustrative math so far. Um and also uh we had um you, you talked about the professional development that was done. Um did we have or how many new math teachers did we have into the system at the beginning of this year? um that needed to have professional development and was that completed so at the beginning of this year we have had a few uh movements we have not yet hired anybody from outside it's just that um there were some movement from the high school to the middle school actually just one teacher um and um the the teacher is very capable he has dove right into it doing extremely well um at at seventh grade level in at andrews uh, very very pleased uh, with with the with the teams and the way they work and uh, gel together and it's a great uh, combination of experience and you know the the newer ones bringing their energy and their you know technology skills so it, it's it's a good uh, thing i'm experiencing uh, at the, at the mill schools now so only one teacher and i feel like he's right up there with, with i wanted to um yesterday by chance i had a discussion with molly laden about the document cameras yes. and um it seems like they're such a popular item right now they're delayed for another month or two um mm-hmm. right now do do some of the teachers have them Uh yes so what we had done was uh, about 3 or 4 years ago we invested in uh document cameras so right now um all mathematics classrooms have document cameras um there were some that was that were provided as part of the grant but only at andrews middle school so um we for document cameras to everybody and pretty much all teachers have them and they are having good success rate with it um and and, and so i feel like that's a good uh, piece uh, to invest in uh and now i wanted to circle back to um my colleagues um discussion about creating a catalog fiza you seem like you're well on your way um you know with the information you've presented us tonight 
would it be appropriate, uh, Superintendent, to ask Ms. Khan to begin that piece uh, of documenting um, for the mathematics curriculum, um, what we are calling a catalog? But uh, Faiz, I think you heard some of the information that we want. And Jenny, if you could uh, weigh in about other things that you had in mind, particularly for the creation of this um, uh, document. Um. I think the I think the big things are um, to make sure that where where we can that we're because um, part of part of the motion talked about um, being able to post all this information on the website and that sort of ties into some of the other things we've been talking about around like when kindergarten families are coming to like look at the district what can they see what can they click what can they you know go to, to get an understanding. I mean, I think that's not just kindergarten. That's, you know, lots of different people would go looking for that kind of thing. So, you know, any information about, um, the name of the program or textbook, um, and, and Fiza, I can send you an email with these things in it, um, if that's helpful, but, um, you know, when we purchase them, um, I think ultimately what I, what I would envision is that it would have a column that says, this is when we last reviewed this. So, I would like to see us be able to sort of demonstrate to the community that we're reviewing this stuff on a regular basis, like whatever that policy is, which this um, subcommittee will have to um, circle around to at some point this year, but like, what is our policy for curriculum review? And like, what, what does that look like so that um, the school committee is getting, and the community is getting some sort of regular feedback from you all saying, we've reviewed this, we're still happy with it, or we've reviewed this and, this needs to go up on the block for, you know, consideration next time around. Um, as well as, you know, like I said, any sort of link out to the, the resources that are available um, for people to either understand the curriculum or access things, right? So if there's online access, which obviously maybe we wouldn't have cared so much about like a year and a half ago, but now it's really, really, really important. Um, and then the other things that we talked about in the motion, um, Paulette, was whether the curriculum has EL or IEP supplements and if we have, if we are using them and if we're not, what are we doing instead to serve um, those populations of our students? So there, it, I don't know if that's even as applicable in math, Ms. Khan, um, or if it's more of an ELA type no. extension. Um, it is, but it is, it is because we are big believers in core teaching and, okay. and inclusiveness. It's really important for us to have both of those pieces. Yes. Yeah, I was just not sure whether the the textbook companies provided like purchasable extensions like that um, in in math in the same way that I know that they do on the ELA side. Um, and so, then, um, you know, any, you know, any sort of feedback about the, you know, the expiration date of whatever the, the piece is and, and if it's sort of a candidate for replacement, when, when are we sort of envisioning that happening? So we can start to say in math, this is what's coming and, and at the elementary level, like across subjects, this is what's coming because, at the elementary level, like teachers don't have the bandwidth to absorb many, many new curricula at the same time. So if, you know, if FISA wants to do something, that means, 
Dr. Chiesa can't, <laughs> right? Because there's just only so much time in the day um, to absorb new curriculum and, and do the proper amount of professional development. So just thinking through that at the elementary level, I feel like it looks very different than it does at the secondary level. But I think the same like chart structure would work in yes, both cases. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, if you send me uh, the, the criteria, I'll make sure I create a sheet and, you know, so, include whatever information Ms. I have. Ms. Gunn, I just want to be careful, though, because it's not the it's not the school committees. We don't want to give you um, okay. direct direction in um, whatever. I So I had referred through the superintendent whether it would be possible, uh, given um, Ms. Gunn's excellent report tonight, if we went on. Um, and, you know, if you might have the discussion with her about taking this to the next step and beginning this process of creating the catalog. Um, and, you know, it would seem like as we have these meetings um, that that's exactly what we should do as sort of after, after each meeting is asking the department head um, to in fact create that kind of information that it would be a logical next step. So superintendent, if you'd address that, please. Well, I want to say uh, great minds think alike and um, in preparation for uh, today's meeting, uh, Ms. Khan, when she was setting it up, there were a lot of hyperlinks embedded within the slide deck to um, the frameworks and to, uh, at the high school level, what the course descriptions are. Um, so there were um, some elements of that added to this particular presentation. And so we actually wanted to replicate um, you know, I was waiting to see how today's meeting went. What were the types of questions were we able to anticipate um, and respond to questions that people had? And then I was taking notes on the other areas that we, we missed the mark and didn't hit yet. So in terms of the course catalog, I did um, write down those pieces about the review date. What's the actual program where Ms. Khan had listed all the programs at the different um, grade levels? the expiration date. Um, and from an equity lens, I really feel it's, um, you know, an excellent display that we are committed to meeting the needs of our students with disabilities and our English learners by saying, um, moving forward when we're adopting new curriculum, is this something they take into consideration? Right. Some companies may not, but there are supplemental um, curricula such as like Newzella, which we, it supplements our humanities programming and they use it in EL programming. So it's like we get a two for one out of it. So um, if there were to be a program that was selected that might not specifically um, call it out, then we could find something that would supplement it to meet that need. So I was just, you know, taking my own notes and saying that this could be one of the ways that we're showing that we're truly trying to meet the needs of our entire community. So um, starting since we started with mathematics and we want to go through all of the other content areas to be able to follow a very similar format so that as the um, department heads and directors are presenting um, their respective departments, they'll be able to say these are the programs at the respective grade levels and kind of give us the, um, you know, we started, you know, it was adopted in this year and tentative expiration date is, you know, 
this year or the following year, because it does end up having um, indirect budgeting implications if we're just paying to extend to extend, but um, just to have all of that in one area. So that's something that we definitely um, will be able to do between now and by the time we, you know, as each department presents, we'll be able to at least start addressing those um, five areas so that the curriculum subcommittee can, can hear it in preparation for going into our next budget season. Uh, Faiza and then Jenny. Thank you. Just two things. First of all, that uh, support for uh, English language uh, learners, English learners and special education students, uh, that is part of our rubric. So we are looking at the programs from that lens continuously. Um, not just from a general education perspective. They are our students. We need to make sure we include them. So it was in our rubric. It has been in our rubric. Um, the, the, to, to, to look at the new programs at elementary schools. And um, two people reminded me of the name of the program, Michelle Sicolo and uh, Ingrid Moncada. They both said, Ms. Khan, is it ready classroom? Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Yes, it is. Yes. Thank you very much. And uh, Jenny? Um, so Dr. Edward Vincent, I was um, thinking about um, this presentation as it was going, sort of envisioning that you would sort of looking for a model to repeat as we go through all the different catalog, the catalog areas. And I, I think, you know, this, this is, you know, I'm sensitive to how much work this is for the departments to put together. So I think one piece of feedback I would have is I don't need as much sort of history about how we align to Common Core and there's DESE and frameworks. Like, I, I feel like that that's a common story, which, you know, maybe we should tell once mm -hmm. um, or maybe in a summary, but I, I just don't want all the department heads spending time sort of crafting the history side of things. Um, because I know they just have a lot of other things to do. Um, but I, I did really appreciate um, the sort of comments about where we are, what we're looking at in the right now time. Um, and then maybe it, you know, in my, in my head, it's like, it's that plus the, the actual um, catalog. And we're sort of covering a lot of bases with um, with that preparation and maybe that gets to be like a lighter lift for the team. So um, I definitely, I, I don't personally want people spending lots and lots of time crafting slides about history because I think um, I want us to be able to focus on like, where are we right now and how do we move forward? So that's just my input. I can definitely um, make that adjustment. I think the one reason why um, for both humanities and um, for social studies and for math, because DESI was sending out different revisions. So I wanted people to realize it wasn't yeah. like a 1985, um, that it was fairly recent. And um, she wanted to just show like the shift to rigor, the, the triangle, yeah. the pyramid, that everyone could understand this is where the shift in mathematics is taking place right now and why we shifted to illustrative math and the thinking behind what needed to shift um, at the elementary levels. But for some of the other content areas where we know we just purchased, for example, FOSS science, 
And um, so some of those pieces will be able to say, well, we adopted it in 2018 or 2019, and it's good for five years. So we can definitely make that um, adjustment, not focus on the history, say where the department is right now and describe the catalog offerings from K elementary, middle and high and um, get to as many of the expiration dates and um, when yeah. we need to think about curriculum renewal. Yeah. So I, we can definitely make that modification moving forward for um, the other departments. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great to have and nice to have, but like maybe not in the like need to have category for the other departments. You know what I mean? Like I think in a perfect world, yeah, you'd have all of those things in one handy place, but like if they're, if the department heads are pressed for time and I just sort of assume everyone is, and we're making like trying to squeeze it all in, I feel like that's a, a really reasonable compromise in the right now. Okay, so speaking of squeezing it all in, our next meeting is going to concentrate in January on foreign languages and technology. Um, we wanted to get to foreign language because we raised some questions about that. Um, and technology was also in, in the, it's gonna be a lot. So we might certainly schedule it for a two hour uh, block um, to, so we have time um, to, to devote to each area. Um, February was supposed to be science, and then March uh, was e English language arts. Um, I know, Jenny, you had asked whether ELA um, could come sooner. Uh, the superintendent, I'm not sure if you had the chance to have that discussion with Dr. Chiesa. Yeah, so I, I, I will, um, I, I knew there was, she wanted additional time to continue so that she felt by March she would be prepared with new data to be able to present that. But um, if I can have a little bit of time to just continue to work with her to see if we need to relocate, switch science and um, ELA. But um, she was hoping to have the time to be able to make stronger recommendations by the time her March presentation came. So I, I will follow up with her. So I'll be able to report out on that at our January meeting or prior to the January meeting to say which way we could go. And okay. for the world language and technology where we've, we've presented a lot of what we've done with technology this year, especially with the significant, significant investments that we made. So I was thinking kind of to have an overview of the investments that we have made in technology. And, um, you know, so I was trying to think a little differently about it as um, a course offering, but also, you know, to give world language the time um, that it needs so that we can just look at where are we with, you know, world languages and um, what are we using in those uh, particular areas. So we will, you know, make it work. And um, I'm, I can do a longer meeting if that <laughs> Is necessary. Is okay. Necessary. Yeah. It's fine. So, um, I just want to say at the beginning of the meeting, I was flustered enough with my technology um, snafus that I didn't announce that the members of the meeting are my of the subcommittee are myself and Jenny Graham. Uh, Mia couldn't make it, but Paul Rousseau was in attendance uh, tonight. Um, so we appreciate that uh, he he was here as well. Um, Jenny, do you have any further thoughts before we wrap this meeting up? Um. I don't. I think this was really helpful. And I think this will be a really 
good framework to use as we go through this process. Right. And I, I think it will be particularly helpful at budget time when, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think it just will help us sort of eliminate surprises of, oh, we have five textbooks this year that we have to plan and budget for and all that good stuff. So I think this was great. Thank you so much. And um, Ms. Gunn, I would particularly like to thank you for your presentation. Um, I've always enjoy when you're here. So thank you so much. Um, yes, Paul. Thank you. I, I just wanted to add, um, you know, I'm really excited by this um, curriculum roadmap or whatever it was will be called or is called because uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that none of us on the school committee, and obviously the educators don't want it either, is to, you know, wait for a parent to knock on our door or send an email saying, hey, we're teaching kids from a 1987 psychology textbook. What the hell? Um, you know, and, you know, once we have everything on a map, mm-hmm. then the school committee can actually pass a policy saying we're going to take things in order, not based on who's making the loudest noise at that moment in time. And we can put this to bed as an actual problem to solve. Um, I mean, there will always be situations where, you know, a curriculum has to change out of order because of the state's frameworks or because somebody releases something truly, you know, innovative that everybody wants to get on and we don't want to wait five years from now. But um, being able to have everything on a map, that there's all the stones have been turned over and we can say, you know what, this is the policy of the school committee that, you know, when a textbook is expired or that that's the one that will get renewed next year, um, I, I think is really important. Um, but as Faiza, Ms. Khan mentioned, you know, um, sometimes the textbooks can get very old and still be the best option, mm-hmm. which is, uh, we could always hope for that to be the case for a lot of things because <laughs> that's the cheapest option. But <laughs> I, thank you all for this. This is really an excellent conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, I have um, a motion to adjourn. Oh, Paulette, you're on mute. On that motion, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paulette, yes. Um, and for All the right. secret, Paul, you want to vote? <laughs> sure, yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank